0: Hey, good morning, and welcome uh, to Mornings with Mac. It's an absolutely incredible day here in Birmingham. And uh, the wind is up, so uh, you may pick up a little wind noise, but I just thought it was uh, beautiful out here. Wanted to start the week off um, in this beauty, in the Word of God. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, go with me to Psalm 27. Now if you remember, Friday we left off right there. This psalm is divided into two parts, and there are two words that you'll find throughout this entire psalm. One is confidence, and the other is seeking. And uh, if you recall, I shared with you this was a a psalm that that has a chiastic um, style to it, a chiastic construction to it. It starts off with confidence, and then it goes to seeking and then it will come to seeking and then back to confidence. And it does that for uh, a grammatical effect to draw you in, to pull you in to what David is doing. Now the first six verses deal with uh, David being very up. Now he's up, he's going through something uh, that's very difficult for him, but he has this moment when he's up. We've all experienced an up moment in the midst of a depression. You know, when a storm blows through here, all the weather comes from out of this direction. Uh, you've been in storms, and you've seen storms, and, and uh, there will be a little break somewhere in the middle of a storm, just like uh, in hurricanes. Uh, you'll have the eye of the storm. There'll be a break in the cloud, and the sun will just begin to beam through, and you'll think all of this is over, and then it clouds rapidly back up, and it seems as if the storm uh, gets worse on the other side. Well, that's what's going to happen to David. He comes to that that high water mark in verse 6 where he says, And now my head shall be lifted up and my enemies all around me, and I will offer in in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Now there's that high water mark. Now now, let me show you he's going to start down the other side of the the mountain. He's going to end up in the valley. He's going to end up very deep in the valley. He's going to be as low as David is going to get. Uh, we all have those up and down. We, we, we call them roller coasters. You're up and you're down, you're up and you're down in the midst of despair, in the midst of, uh, of depression, in the midst of hurt and pain. We have those moments where we think, oh, I'm coming out of this. And then all of a sudden, just as quickly as we came up, we're back down again. Maybe some of you are there. Maybe over the weekend you came up, but now you're back down in that uh, valley of despair all over again. Now, what was David going through? I think I know what he was going through. If you look down in verse 12, he says, Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I think what's happening you will find back in first, uh, in Second Samuel chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse one. It was his son who was in the process of betraying him. Let me just read just a little bit of this to you. Now it came about after this that Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses and 50 men as runners before him, and Absalom used to rise early, stand beside the way uh, to the gate. When any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, "'From what city are you?' And he would say, "'Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel.' Then Absalom would say to him, "'See, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king.' Moreover, Absalom would say, "'Oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land.' Then every man who has suit or cause could come to me, and I would give him justice.' And when a man came, you see what he's doing? He, he's going out and he's trying to persuade everybody that he's really their friend. The king's not, but he really is. He would listen to him. Uh, and when a man came to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole The hearts of the men of Israel, all through lies and deception, through dishonesty and manipulation. And all of these lies now are what's causing David so much despair, so much depression. And so you come now to the second part of Psalm 27, and he's going back down into the valley. Let's pick it up right here in verse 7. Now, if you remember, I told you there was confidence and seeking, the first six verses. Now there's seeking and confidence. You begin verse 7, there is this seeking of God, and he is seeking God's grace. Now, Verses seven through 12 are going to be divided into two parts. So let's just watch with me. Um, just follow along in your text. Verse seven, He starts seeking God's grace. He comes repentant. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. be gracious to me and answer me." Now just look at that line right there. "When I cry, answer me." He's crying out to God. He's saying, God, I I, I, I want you to hear me. I want you to answer me. Verse eight, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? You said, seek, I'm seeking. I'm crying, you answer. What he's crying for is this. He's crying out saying, God, please forgive me for being so low i, I, I it, it seemed when I was on the mountain, I had all of this faith, but now I'm back down in the valley and I feel despondent about being so low. Have, now, let me ask you, have you ever been there? Have you ever been to the place in your life where you were going through a depression, you came up and then you went back down and you felt guilty about your despair? You felt guilty about your depression? You struggled over being so low, over being down so far? Well, that's what David is doing. He's just struggling with himself over how low he has gotten. He feels bad for for even having that moment of exhilaration. Well, now he comes and he says, this, this is the problem. There was the repentance. Now he comes and he speaks of the rejection. Verse 9, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O oh God of my salvation. Now just look at verse 9. I've underlined this here. Hide not, turn not, cast me not off, forsake me not. You, you, you hear this appeal. He, he feels rejected. He says, God, don't you reject me as well. One of, the, one of the great deepest needs in life, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, personally, is the need to be accepted. And here is David, and that's what he's doing. He's crying out, he says, God, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn away from your servant in anger. In other words, God, I'm so low, I, I, I slipped back into depression, don't get mad at me. Don't be upset with me. Don't reject me because I'm going through yet another valley. I'm going through yet another depression. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like that God gets just fed up with you going through the despairs that you go through? Well, that's what David feels, and that's what he's saying right here. He's saying, don't cast me off. Don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now look at verse 10. For my father and my mother had forsaken me. Now, that's a pretty tough situation right there, my father and my mother. I mean, if there's any two people you thought you could count on, it would be your family. I'm going to read you something out of Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, there's an interesting little verse here. Jesus comes now to Capernaum. That's going to be his home. Through his ministry, he lives in Capernaum. And uh, as he comes there, he came home and the crowd gathered to such an extent they could not even eat a meal. But now watch this. Verse 21, when his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying, he's lost his senses. Now who are his people? What does this mean when it says his own people? Well, if you continue reading They come to him and they say that your mother and your brothers have arrived. They're standing outside and they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and they said, behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. His brothers and even Mary thought he had lost his senses. Um, Jesus understood what it was to be abandoned even by your own family. Some of you right now have been abandoned by fathers, but maybe even by a mother. Maybe your father and mother have rejected you. You have a sense in your life that you never really were wanted or accepted in your own family. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus understands that. David came to that place and he calls out and he says, God, don't, don't you do that to me either. So do you see the seeking here? Back in verses 4, 5, and 6, he was seeking God's presence in the temple to give God worship and praise. Now he is seeking God. He's seeking God's grace, and and he's going to seek now God's guidance. Look at verse 11. Seeking his guidance in direction. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. Let me, let me, some of you may have a translation. The King James, I think, says a plain path. It means a level path. It means a level path. Let me take you back. Do you remember just a few days ago, we were looking at Psalm 17, which was a psalm of lament. And in Psalm 17, David wrote and he said, my steps have, have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. Uh, the whole concept there is that God is there directing literally your footsteps? He is there. He's there guarding your footsteps. He talks about that in the Psalms, how God guide, guards your steps, how God guides your steps. That's what he's asking. He's saying, God, please give me direction on a level path. Now, that's not an easy path. That's not what he's asking for. But a level path, that is, your path, the path of righteousness. Now look, he's praying also for deliverance. He's seeking God's guidance and direction, but he's seeking God's guidance and deliverance. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries or false witnesses who have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Now I started off reading you how Absalom was doing that to David, how he was spreading these rumors, how he spread these lies, how he... How he um, how he was slandering David, and this was what was hurting David. And he said, "God, what I want is your deliverance from this." Now, let me tell you something: Satan has a lot of weapons in his arsenal, but when Satan's weapons, they're 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 going by saying "Amen." That's "Amen" in in uh, goose language. Um, when, 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 they, when Satan's weapons give out, he's got one weapon left, and that is the lies of man. Satan has tried everything he can against David, but now he's going to come with a false witness against him. And David is praying, God, give me your deliverance. Give me not up to the will. Don't, don't turn me over to them, God for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Now, that, that's pretty depressing, all of that, but now here he turns back to the confidence. Here's the confidence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, what saved David in this? You say, well, God, well, yes, it was God, but David put his trust in God. That's what he's doing right here. He's saying, I believe. This is, this is the trust. I believe. I'm putting my trust in God that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, in the here and the now. God is going to do something good in my life. God is going to give me some deliverance. God is going to give me some direction. He might, he, might, uh, he might not do everything that I've asked. He may not resolve it the way I want it resolved, but I can count on the fact that God is going to take care of me. There is his confidence. Now look, here's the second part of that in verse 14. What strengthened David? What strengthened David was simply waiting on God. Have you ever stopped to think that waiting, we're going through a period of waiting right now. I keep waiting to get back into church. I keep waiting to get back with the people of God. But in the meantime, that waiting can be a positive. That waiting can be something good for me. This is part of what God wants to do in us right now, is while we are waiting, he wants to strengthen us. Listen to what he says, wait for the Lord. I think that's what the Old Testament means when we're told on several occasions that David strengthened himself in the Lord. He just got before God and he waited on him. Wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Do you see that? There's the confidence again. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He says it twice. Wait for the Lord. Let it strengthen you. Let your heart be encouraged. Do you understand that's what Saul could not do? Saul could not wait on God, and it cost him his crown. It cost him the throne. And David had the opportunity to watch this while he was waiting to be king, and it taught him that this is where your strength... Your strength will come when you get before God and you simply wait on Him. Now, we don't wait, you know, fitfully. We don't wait um, fretfully. We don't wait uh, fatalistically. But we wait faithfully on God. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Why? Because He never fails. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless.